Hello and welcome to day three of Euler 2023. My name is Lorenzo Dagna and I'm Associate Professor of Internal Medicine at Vita Salute San Raffaele University School of Medicine in Milano. In this podcast, I would like to review what I think are some of the key sessions and paper of interest relating to rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, and axial spondylarthritis from the CSF perspective. There are some terrific sessions today covering a wide range of topics and data. I hope you find this podcast both interesting and informative. Starting with rheumatoid arthritis, Friday features a wide array of posters and presentation. I will be highlighting four sessions, including novel data on iguratimob and tofacitinib combination, followed by MACE in patients treated with JAK inhibitors. We will also cover the latest on Zoster vaccine responses in RA patients treated with upadacitinib. And finally, report real-world evidence of increased infection risk for JAK inhibitors such as tofacitinib and baricitinib. Without further ado, let's get started. So the first study is a poster showing a novel drug combination of iguratimob and tofacitinib that should be able to alleviate rheumatoid arthritis and secondary osteoporosis. As you know, iguratinob is a, a very effectious and safe conventional synthetic disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drug used in array in Asia. Objective of the study was to find out if the combination of iguratimob and tofacitinib would be better partner need to be, oh, sorry, shall I do it again? <laughs> shall I start from this slide? Yes, yeah, you Good. can start from this slide. Perfect. So, so the first poster I want to discuss with you is about the combination of iguratinib and tofacitinib for rheumatoid arthritis and secondary osteoporosis. We know that iguratimob is a highly efficacious and safe conventional synthetic disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drug used in array in Asia. And we also need to elucidate if the combination of iguratimob and tofacitinib is effective in this scope. So this study analyzed the specific topic and actually evaluated the therapeutic effect of the combination of those two drugs on active array and secondary osteoporosis in collagen-induced arthritis plus in, uh, in mouse. And indeed, the study found out that pyroptosis-related protein were less expressed in tenovial tissue in patients treated with the combination with the patient treated with TNF. And also, bone destruction was uh, significantly alleviated and bone turnover rate was remarkably increased in the combination group, as detected by micro-CC and uh, histological staining. In conclusion, the combined application of tofacitinib and iguratimob may have a stronger therapeutic effect on rheumatoid arthritis and secondary osteoporosis bone remodeling. The second study I want to show you is uh, an oral presentation and data from the jackpot study trying to elucidate which was the incidence of major adverse cardiovascular events in patients with rheumatoid arthritis treated with JAK inhibitor as compared to BDMARDs. We know that the results of recent study, including oral surveillance, showed a higher risk of maize for JAK inhibitors with regards of TNF inhibitors. 
but we do not have enough evidence about the real world cardiovascular safety of JAK inhibitors. And the objective of this study was indeed to assess the incidence of MACE in patients treated with JAK inhibitors in a large cohort of patients obtained with, by merging together several registries throughout Europe. And indeed, the, in the study, the adjust Poisson regression demonstrated no significant difference in the incidence of MACE between JAK inhibitors as compared to TNF inhibitors and other mechanisms of action as compared with, with TNF inhibitors. If we concentrate on the duplicate cohort, which was uh, again a matched cohort as the oral surveillance study has proposed, actually we saw that in both treatment groups there was a higher incidence of MACE, but also in this group there was no significantly differences in the incidence of MACE between JAK inhibitors versus TNF inhibitors and other mechanism of actions versus TNF inhibitors. So the study can conclude that in real world, in real world, actually there are no differences, significantly differences between maize in different treatment group. The subsequent study I want to share with you is a study that evaluates the efficacy of adjuvanted recombinant zoster vaccination in patients with rheumatoid arthritis that were also receiving upadacitinib. We know that this vaccine, the recombinant zoster vaccine, is well tolerated and effective in presenting herpes zoster in adults with more than 50 years. However, the efficacy of this vaccine has not been adequately studied in patients treated with drugs such as upadacitinib in combination with methotrexate. And this study indeed has exactly the aim of understanding the immunogenicity of this vaccine in patients with rheumatoid arthritis receiving upadacitinib with background methotrexate. In the old 64 patients that were vaccinated with the recombinant vaccine for varicella zoster indeed have a significant satisfactory humoral response at week four, and 88% of them have the same nice response also at week 16. So within 30 days after vaccination with a either uh, vaccine dose, no significant adverse event or reoccurrence of herpes zoster were reported. There are, however, some uh, possibly uh, related uh, re reaction reported to, uh, that could be associated to uh, the recombinant vaccine in 17% of the patients. As a conclusion, we may say that roughly 88% of patients receiving opacitinib in combination with methotrexate achieved a satisfactory humor response to the vaccine uh, after the treatment. Another study I want to share with you is about the uh, incidence of infection in patients receiving JAK inhibitors and tofacitinib and varicitinib in particular as compared to biological DMARDs from real world. We know, again, from the oral surveillance studies that uh, there are apparently an increased risk of infection, specifically herpes zoster, in patients treated with JAK inhibitors as compared to TNF inhibitors. And those data were also present in some of the registration study for the drug. We know, however, that clinical trials do not always reflect the real world population in, since they include some specific population that typically are younger and healthier than patients that we see in the real world. 
And the objective of this study was to specifically invest, investigate the risk of infection in a general real world population. And the study found out that actually the risk for infection were higher in patients uh, uh, treated with JAK inhibitors, roughly 48 uh, over 100 patient year as compared to BDMART. And uh, if we, when they try to actually compare the ratio, the risk for infection between bicitinib and tofacitinib, they weren't able to find any specific difference. Also, and as we know, more herpes zoster infection have been seen in the jockey treated group as compared to the BDMR treated group. In general, older patient as expected as an absolute infection rate than the younger population. So also the study confirmed that even in the real world population, uh, JAK inhibitor treatment is associated with a slightly increased risk of uh, infection and a significantly elevated risk of developing herpes zoster. Now we move to psoriatic arthritis, and I will try to highlight three posters uh, in which safety is again a leading topic. I will be starting from data from the USRAS registry, which reviews the cardiovascular event in patients with rheumatoid arthritis and PSA. And then Burmester and colleague report the nine-year post-marketing safety surveillance data of tofacitinib in RA and PSA. Finally, we will be covering a poster by Laura Coates and colleagues that review the efficacy and safety of bimekizumab in the phase three B-complete study and its one-year open-label extension. Let's start from the first study. You know, we know that this there's this important registry, which is called USRAT, which is the uh, registry of advanced therapy from the University of Sherbrooke. In the specifically in this study, they looked for the cardiovascular and thromboembolic event in rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic arthritis in patients over three years before and three years after a first advanced therapy. This is because we know that in controlled inflammation increased the risk for cardiovascular and variable thrombombolic event and reducing inflammation using advanced treatment probably is expected to reduce this risk. An objective of this study was then to compare the incidence of cardiovascular and thrombombolic event before and after this advanced therapy were started in the same rheumatoid arthritis patient and psoriatic arthritis patient and to explore if there are some specific toxicity or poorer protection from, by some specific advanced treatment. We know that first stop patient trended in general to be men, switch patient were younger, and this was the study found out, and the mean duration of the first advanced treatment was similar in switch and first stop versus 5.3, sorry, in first persistent. Cardiovascular incidence post-advanced therapy was significantly higher in the first stop subset, but not significantly different between first persistent and switch patient. So the study demonstrated that prescribing an advanced treatment to patient with active array appears insufficient to bring the three-year risk for cardiovascular and thromboembolic event below their pre-advanced treatment levels. I stop one second. Is it clear this? Because to me, I mean, when I read this 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 bullet point, mm -hmm. I, I I don't know if this maybe I'm not that into the specific expression in English, but I go switch first stop patient trended to demand switch patient were younger. I think we maybe we should be saying something with about what we what we say about 
what what are first stop patient versus switch versus whatever i don't know if you, oh, if you feel that is right i i keep like that i think it was fine um the way i heard it um yeah okay. i think it was okay yeah good perfect The next study I want to discuss with you is a post-marketing safety surveillance of tofacitinib over nine years in patients with rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic arthritis. Indeed, uh, we know that the safety in this patient has been demonstrated in clinical study, which are very long follow-up. And the real-world post-marketing safety data are interesting because they clearly give us more insights about the safety of this patient. We know that and the studies show us that for both indications, so rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic arthritis, the risk for adverse event was actually higher in patients re receiving the extended release dose versus the standard treatment with tofacitinib. The relative risk and frequency of serious event, adverse event and adverse event of special interest in fatal cases were mostly similar between the two types of treatment. Actually, the most frequently reported event, adverse event was uh, uh, ineffectiveness, pain, aggravation of the condition, headache, and antralgia. The fatal cases were quite similar in the fourth four-year post-approval as seen in the clinical trial. So the post-marketing study of tofacitinib and the safety data from submitted adverse event reports were quite consistent for moratorium dentritis in PSA and aligned with the established safety profile that emerged with registration clinical trial. The next uh, work I want to share with you is work on bimekizumab in patients with active psoriatic arthritis and prior inadequate response to TNF inhibitors. And this is our, the results from the phase three study be complete and its open label extension up to one year. We know that uh, several previous study has shown a good efficacy of bimekizumab in patient uh, with active PSA in phase three studies. Objective of the study was to assess actually the long-term efficacy and safety of bimekizumab treatment up to 52 weeks in patient with active PSA and a prior not adequate response or intolerance to TNF inhibitors. And the study showed that at week 52, roughly 52% of patients receiving bimekizumab and just 40.6 patients receiving first placebo and then bimekizumab achieved an ACR response of 50. And we also know that patients with baseline psoriasis with a more than 3% of body surface area affected, 66%, roughly 66% of patients receiving bimekizumab and 60% of patients receiving first placebo and then bimekizumab achieved a PASI 100 at week 52. There were no specific, specific signaling, uh, safety profile signal. And indeed, the study was able to demonstrate that uh, bimekizumab is effective from week 16 up to week 52 in patients with PSA that were TNF inadequate responders. The last section of my presentation will be about axial spondylar arthropathies, and uh, there are many posters of interest in this uh, section in uh, view, poster view for today. 
I will be starting from two posters in improvement of efficacy in bevekizumab by Marina Magre and Xenophon Bariakos. Xenophon and colleagues also present the effect of secukinumab versus adanimumab biosimilar on radiographic progression in patients with radiographic axial spondyloarthritis. Also, Navarro Compan et colleagues reviewed the time to improvement of pain and other PROs in patients with ankylosing spondylitis treating with tofacitinib. And finally, we have two posters providing, providing results on the efficacy and safety of upadacitinib. Let's start from the first. The first poster is about uh, the improvement in efficacy outcome in patients with axial spondyloarthritis treated with bimekitumab, regardless of priority HFB inhibitor treatment. And indeed, I presented the data from two uh, phase three study and their pool results at week 52. Specifically, the phase three B-Mobile one and two, Bimekizumab was uh, shown to improve uh, rapidly the, uh, the, 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 the disease through week 22, to week for 52, sorry, in patient with active non, let's do this again, one second. <clears throat> So the first poster I want to share with you is about bimekizumab efficacy in patients with axial spondyloarthritis, regardless of prior TNF inhibitors. The, our presented data aggregated from two phase three studies, the B-Mobile 1 and B-Mobile 2, in which uh, actually bimekizumab treatment resulted in very good and sustained improvement in efficacy through week 52 in patients with active non-radiographical AXPA and radiographic AXPA. In those studies, a similar efficacy between TNF-naive and TNF-non-responder uh, uh, patients were observed. And the study was actually uh, intended to assess the efficacy of bimekizumab in those two populations of TNF-naive uh, or IR, in patients that have no radiographical AXPA or radiographical AXPA through week 52. And the study found out that uh, indeed, up to week 52, the response was similar. The responses were similar in both the TNF-naive and the TNF-IR up to week 52, and the response progressively increased. And similarly, there were comparable improvements in physical function, nocturnal spinal pain, and quality of life in patients treated with bimekizumab in both the population. As a conclusion, the study can tell us that bimekizumab treatment resulted in clinical relevant improvement in key efficacy outcome with regards to placebo. The second study I'm discussing with you is about safety in the same population. And uh, we know from the previous study that this, the, the, the treatment with Bimekizumab was effective. And this study actually addressed the safety issue from this patient. We know that uh, uh, in, in the study, the ASAS 40 response in Bimekizumab randomized patient increased from week 16 to week 52 with high level of efficacy across both populations that were object of the study. Week 16 reduction from baseline in signs of inflammation and function and quality of life or also maintained up to 52 week. And also efficacy in 50, uh, week 52 was similar in placebo and bimekizumab treated and bimekizumab randomized patient. 
So also the study showed that across this axial spondylar arthritis spectrum, mimicism resulted in sustained efficacy up to week 52. And specifically to the aim of the study, no new safety signal were observed, and that was perfectly consistent with what was observed on week 24 in terms of safety. The next study, which is a poster presentation, is about secokinumab versus adalimumab biosimilar uh, and its effect of those drugs on radiographic progression in patients with radiographic access arthritis. We know that the SERPAS study found low spinal radiographic progression over two years with no significant difference between secokinumab and adalimumab biosimilar. And also, the baseline radiographic damage and elevated CRP level have been identified as potential predictors of radiographic progression in radiographic XSPA. Indeed, this study has the aim to evaluate the effect of secokimumab and uh, adalimumab biosimilar on spinal radiographic progression in a subgroup of patients based on the presence of cisdesmosphite and elevated CRP at baseline. Those patients were from the SERPAS study. The study found out that all radiographic outcomes at week 104 were similar across treatment arm. However, differences were observed between subgroups, irrespective of the treatment arm. In the synthesis subgroup, followed the CRP subgroup, showed the last progression in all radiographic outcomes. So the study concluded that spinal radiographic progression over two years were low, with no notable differences between secokinumab and adalimumab biosimilar regardless of the presence or absence of specific predictive factors for progression. The next study is about uh, a patient with ankylosing spondylitis treated with tofacitinib, aiming and understanding how did they improve in terms of pain, morning symptoms, and disease activity. We know that those, uh, this question, this, this specific item are core domains of ankylosing spondylitis. In the, we have seen and we know that in the past, uh, improvements in pain, morning stiffness, and disease activity were described with tofacitinib versus placebo in patients with ankylosing spondylitis. And the objective with this study was were to better clarify the, 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 how this improvement of pain, morning stiffness, and disease activity variated over time. Median time to initial improvement events were shorted in the patient treated with tofacitinib uh, with regards of patients that received first placebo and then tofacitinib. Median time to initial reduction of 30% of more and 50% of more improvement in nocturnal pain for tofacitinib were four and eight weeks respectively, and 24 weeks for both threshold in patients receiving before placebo, placebo before tofacitinib. The median time to initial 50% improvement in morning stiffness in the BASDAI total score for tofacitinib was 12 weeks, and it was 32 weeks in patients that were receiving placebo before. So tofacitinib treatment in patients with ankylosing spondylitis was associated with half of patients receiving more than 30% of improvement in optimal pain during the very first month of treatment. The next study I want to discuss with you is a poster about tupadacitinib and its effect, efficacy, and safety in patients with active ankylosing spondylitis, and they that did not respond adequately to a biologic DMAR treatment. Tupadacitinib, as we know, has been 
and has been shown to have a nice efficacy and acceptable safety profile in patients with ankylosing spondylitis in previous study. Objective of this study was to assess a one-year efficacy and safety of paracetinib 15 milligrams in patients uh, that were BDMAR uh, IR within, they still have uh, an active uh, ankylosing spondylitis. The inner NRI-MI response rate of week 52 for the placebo to patacitinib and continuous patacitinib group were 64 and 65% as regard with ASAS 40, uh, 29 and 30% for ASAS partial response, 55 and 56% for ASAS low disease activity, and uh, 25 and 26% for ASAS AD. The changes in ASDAS and high-sensitive CRP were similar between groups. Also, the, risk, the rate of serious uh, adverse event lead in adverse event leading to study discontinuation were 9.1 and 3.0 events for 100 patient year. So, according to the study, upadacitinib demonstrates a sustained efficacy in BDMART IR patient with active ankylosing spondylitis. And also the following study was about efficacy and safety of the paracetinib through one year in patients with non-radiographical axial spondylitis. We know that the, 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 the drug paracetinib is effective and well-tolerated in patients with non-radiographic axial spondylitis through week 14 of treatment. And uh, this analysis study assessed the efficacy and safety of the drug through one year. The study showed that more patients achieved, achieved an ASAS-40 response with a upadacitinib versus placebo from week 14 to 52, with a 20% treatment difference at week 52. And uh, the proportion of patients uh, achieving ASDAS in active disease with upadacitinib remained higher than placebo, at, even at week 52. And also, a similar proportion of patients in each treatment group as an adverse event where infection was the common adverse event described. And also, to conclude, also this study can conclude that upadacitinib show consistent improvement and maintenance of efficacy versus placebo through one year across multiple disease activity measures. So, it has been great to see another busy day at QLAR 2023 with more great cytokine signaling content. I hope that you've enjoyed this roundup of day three. If you haven't already, you can also download our EULAR 2023 preview brochure from cytokinesignaling.com to see the posters and abstract session that, you, that we've selected for you for the whole of the Congress. And please join us tomorrow where Professor Peter Nash We'll discuss the topics for the final day of EULAR 2023.